0: For listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer, and don't forget to subscribe.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Jake Petroba, and welcome. To Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. Joining me today is Stephen Jonoran and Armand Kafai. On this episode, we chat FC Cincinnati with Charlie Hatch. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Make sure you subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts and also make sure to leave us a review. Now,
0: let's get to today's episode. Alrighty, listeners, let's get straight to it. Joining us on the line is FC Cincinnati club reporter. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at Charlie Hatch underscore Charlie. How's it going? Did you guys get? Did you get hit by the polar vortex, or were you traveling with the team?
2: I'm actually with the team, but I got a message from my parents saying it was negative seven, and then it snowed more. So uh, it looks a lot nicer in Florida. <laughs> yeah.
0: Enjoying the preseason, huh?
2: Jealous. That is correct. I'm try- at least trying to, but...
0: So so just talk to us about the excitement for the upcoming season. Finally here with MLS after the last several years in USL. It's kind of like winning the league. Now you're getting quote-unquote promoted. What, what's the excitement and what's the conversation like within the club?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's never-ending. I, I think the big mantra basically around the club is there was no offseason. If you have a situation where you make it into MLS, you're told roughly around Memorial Day last year and at that point you got to start moving forward, planning things from your branding in MLS to jerseys to who are the staff you're going to bring in, the scouts, and what's ended up happening is while the USL season was going on, there's still player recruitment for MLS, um, Obviously the expansion draft and then the draft FC Cincinnati was pretty active in. So there hasn't really been any sort of downtime Uh, and it doesn't help that you essentially, there was one portion where I think in two weeks, 10 players were added, including draft picks. So uh, less than a month away now from the first game, it's a lot of excitement. Uh, There's still a lot of stuff. It seems like needs to happen, Um, but there's still, still time to really take it in before the first home opener on st patrick's day
1: charlie can you give us an idea of what the cincinnati sports landscape is like is is fc cincinnati something that can rival the reds the Bengals, and the bearcats
2: yeah that's the i don't know how it's viewed from the outside uh internally or at least in the city it's a strange situation in that um, you know, you've always had these two historical teams, the first team in Major League Baseball and the Reds and then obviously the Bengals. And here comes FC Cincinnati. But if you walk around downtown, or you go anywhere, you'll see FC Cincinnati stuff, whether it's the old logo, new logo. So it's definitely a place where the team can come in and fit in. Um, they, they've they been able to find a way to get people, whether it's youth, people interested in soccer. The the city's getting younger inside of its core. Um, so they are able to fit in and again you have a, a unique perspective where Xavier and UC both have big basketball teams. Um, but FC Cincinnati fits in. There's no situation where it's, oh, how are they gonna manage? Um, is this a three city or a three sport town like Cleveland or something like that? Um they're all everyone's getting in, everyone has its own fan base and like I said, you'll see situations where I think F C Cincinnati had more I think it was higher attendance on average, last year than the Reds did. Obviously, the Reds played more games. But it gives you an idea that this isn't a situation where it's hot and exciting for a couple of years and fades away.
0: Well, you just The question before, you talked about this transition period where it's been ongoing and there was really no pause. What has been the biggest challenge to overcome transitioning from USL to MLS?
2: I guess it would just depend on whoever, you know, whatever part of the organization it is. Uh, The biggest thing that seemed different is, or at least a lot of people on the outside have said, did you bring too many people from USL, things like that, Um, because there were 11 players, including Fataya Lashe and Fernando Adi, who are already in MLS. Um, But you look at the team, FC Cincinnati, Uh, When it was in USL, rather than going with a lot of young players and trying to build that way, kind of like what New York Red Bulls, too, would do, understandably, the team played for a championship. And so you look at the roster, the 2018 roster that won USL regular season title, and it was stacked with people who were experienced and played professionally, either in MLS and other leagues. And so those people are coming up as if it was just kind of like the English championship into the EPL, a natural transition Um, that is, that's something that kind of slowed seamlessly, but at this point, it's just trying to bring in the right pieces, getting everyone situated together, and then trying to finalize the roster ahead of the first season.
1: Charlie, can you talk about the club's expectations heading into this season? Obviously there it's, it's the inaugural season for the club, you know, coming up from USL, there was the short turnaround, uh, from USL to MLS, but what are the club's expectations heading into the season? Is it kind of playoffs or bust, or is it, uh, you know, hopefully we just kind of contend for a playoff spot and let the let the chips fall where they may?
2: Well, there has been, like, a Alan Cross, the head coach, hasn't come out and said, this is what we're going to do, and it's this or nothing. Um, he has said, you know, obviously competing for a championship in general. FC Cincinnati has been a team that has actively pursued championships, whether it's, you trying to get the Open Cup in 2017, uh, USL uh, in those regards. So I think coming in with the winning mentality, the fan base is used to winning from the first three seasons. So looking at something where you can make the playoffs, that's definitely something that everyone would like to see. Again, I think it'll be interesting the first couple games of the season or the first 10 games are against nine playoff teams from last year. Um, and so it's basically like seeing, you know, Where is this team? How does it stack up against the league? And then what happens from here? It Just because the team's never been in MLS, um, there's no real way to really gauge the team against other MLS clubs until you have those first regular season kickoffs.
0: Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement just to see what type of atmosphere... If the, the club can you know take over the city like you see in other major league soccer markets, and I think a lot of eyes are pointing to Atlanta. The question is, what type of style, how will FC Cincinnati move forward? And you're obviously with the team here in preseason in Florida. Has there been, you know anything that stood out to you that you would say, hmm, this could be an interesting player or a tactic that you, we might see going forward throughout the season?
2: yeah I think the team has a couple of different angles they've gone. They can go with uh, the first game that they played against Montreal's one one draw was a four three three. they beat on Saturday, they beat Colorado Rapids one 0 using a three five two. um they have the depths uh, to do things like that. They have people that can change and rotate. The unique thing about the team is the back line is incredibly solid with people that are proven internationals. And then you look in the midfield and you have someone like Caleb Stanko, who played in Germany, who played a little bit in the Bundesliga, who's 25, he's young, he can come back to America. How will he play? They brought in Alan Cruz, who was playing for the Costa Rican national team yesterday against the U.S. Uh, He's another young guy. He's 22 years old. And then obviously bringing people in like Kendall Waston from Vancouver or Elvis Powell from Portland, Uh, Greg Garza who's obviously a U.S. international as well. Uh, they, there's a lot of talent there. There's people who can get forward. This team in general has liked to play out of the back and tries to move forward, attack uh, on the wings when they can, and always always have a good spine. And so you've kind of seen that in terms of the roster recruitment and the people they've brought in.
1: Charlie, where does Frankie Amaya fit into all this? Is Does he figure to be a, a regular in the starting 11 when the season starts, or is... Is he going to have to battle it out with some guys to uh, to get into that starting eleven?
2: Yeah, they have. I mean, there's no there's no been expectation that's been set on him. Here's what you're going to do. Here's the role you're going to play. When I talk to Frankie, he's like, "Look, I want to make some appearances. I want to show people why I was the number one pick." The club would like to do that too. Obviously, um, there's again, there's a decent midfield. It's not necessarily clogged. There's just people trying to figure out their way. Uh, Frankie made his first appearance yesterday or on Saturday against Colorado. He played 10 minutes. Um, so at this point, it's still trying to work him in and seeing where he fits on the roster rather than you're going to play X amount of games or make X amount of appearances from either the bench or starting.
0: Charlie, what is the one player you Charlie hatch are excited to see this upcoming season?
2: One player. Uh, I don't know if I have a specific one. I think there are, I think it'd be cool to see which players from the USL team can make it. Uh, There's people that you guys might not necessarily know about, like Hassan uh, Indom, has played well in USL with the Red Bulls that they brought in. I think it'll be cool to see Darren Maddox, who was brought in from DC United, who a lot of people were saying, well, you know, why bring this guy in? You have Hadi, or they haven't, how did they play when they were together? Um, Previously, he's looked really good in preseason training. There's a guy named Leo Bertoni who came from Young Boys in Switzerland who's looked really good in preseason as well. So seeing those kind of guys, people that can come in, play well in the midfield or and or score goals uh, like Maddox up front would definitely be something that's exciting. And uh, I don't know if it's necessarily something that people around MLS expect, but these are either new faces or people who have been in the league that have a new opportunity to show what they can do.
1: Yeah, Charlie, I would say as a, as a fan of a team, uh, I'm, my team being Minnesota United, I can say in the inaugural season, it seemed like the the greatest contributions uh, they got in that first season were from players that featured with them in the NASL. And then you had a couple uh, of players who were uh, with uh, USL and Kevin Molino. But I want to ask you uh, about this. You, you talked about the draft <coughs> uh, earlier here in the interview, but I wanted to ask you, what were the team's, thoughts on acquiring all of philadelphia union's draft picks
2: well you you look at that situation and it's you know obviously not all the picks were used Uh, there were picks passed in the uh, third and fourth round but fc cincinnati got a deal with lafc where lafc said hey we'll give you this amount of money uh that in a first round pick that happened just before uh the draft went down and then there's that uh, later in that day, the trade was announced with Philadelphia. So, FC without trying to justify or explain why teams necessarily did it in this particular way, it was a situation where FC Cincinnati actually made a profit off of the players that, or the um, the deals between LAFC and then Philadelphia, and in addition picked up more picks that they could use. So. Um, You know, that 13th pick, they brought Logan Godula and a fullback from Wake Forest. That's somebody that might not necessarily have been there with their 16th pick, which they ended up giving to Red Bulls. But FC Cincinnati is in a different situation from everyone else just because you don't have an academy. You don't have homegrowns you can go to. And so if this is a way that you can jumpstart that and you can start bringing in younger people that might start playing a role or be part of your core down the road, that's why they went with that route. Um again, it's completely understandable why everyone's like, well, why would you make that move? But they took the money essentially from one deal and then applied it to another and then got all those picks out of making such a move.
0: Now, Charlie, last question here. How excited is the club to be facing the Columbus crew this upcoming season?
2: Yeah, it'll be fun. They actually play in a couple of weeks in Charleston. Um, but, it, you know, they've played before they played uh in the open cup in 2017 fc cincinnati won but that that was cool in itself and it's cool seeing you know there were about a thousand or so columbus crew fans that came down and i think during the draft or the expansion process when everyone was wondering if fc cincinnati would be getting in there's also a lot of concern where how much does columbus impact fc cincinnati is that something that's actually a thing uh, would they take one or over the other the fact that Columbus crew is still around, uh, you know, a lot of people in Cincinnati grew up going to crew games. I had crew season tickets as a kid. Uh, so the fact that they're both being able to play in the same league, that they're able to stick around, that it's a natural rivalry, uh, the hell is real sign in between the two on Interstate 71 has always been there, so it should be exciting. I think it's, ex- it's something to look forward to, the fact that it's in August. There's a little bit of a wait. It's kind of frustrating, but it's something at all that should last around. There's no doubt that it should sell out both stadiums, and it should be something that the rest of the country, who maybe they see it as flyover country or whatever, will be able to say, look. That's true passionate rivalry between two teams that are fairly close to one another.
1: Uh, Charlie, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be looking. Or to the uh, I don't know what we're calling it the Ohio Derby or or—I don't, I don't know. Uh, but anyway thank you so much for your time today uh, please tell our listeners where we can find your work and where we can find you on Twitter and uh, anything else you may want to plug away
2: yeah I will say uh, so we call it the hell is real Derby that's what the fans called it and so we're keeping that uh, although Klump's crew haven't actually come out and said anything on their social media so I don't know what they're going to say um, so we'll have we'll have to see what goes down that's what our club has said um, but yeah, you can follow me with the club at FC uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, dot com, or on Twitter at CharlieHatch with an underscore.
0: Wonderful, Charlie. Thanks Thank again, you guys, for, so much for joining us here today, and uh, I guess good luck with the preseason and uh, the season ahead.
2: Thank you, and you guys as well.
0: Thank you. Well, there you have it, inside FC Cincinnati. Uh, Armand, you disagree with the draft picks, and you also said last year they weren't making the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, look, the picks, the, the pick expansion draft, and how the roster was built, to me, it's it's a little interesting. Uh, I do love the pick of Frankie Amaya. I feel like he's almost a homegrown player. You're, you're picking up a guy at 18 uh, to to develop, I mean, I think it's a fantastic pick, but I mean, look, maybe with the expanded MLS playoffs, I could be wrong, but I just I, there, you know, there's so many defensive mids on that team, and you know, re- relying on U.S.L. players, I, I think our boy Jake knows how that how that ends up. Uh, uh, I mean, you get you get you get some good players like Christian Ramirez and Miguel Barra, but I mean, outside, outside of that, it's not the greatest one to go.
1: I can tell you, and I mentioned this in the interview, I can tell you the greatest contributors to Minnesota United's inaugural season were Christian Ramirez, Miguel Ibarra, Brent Coleman, and I get that he played in MLS for a couple of years prior to joining Minnesota United, but Kevin Molino also, uh, who featured in USL with Orlando City, was also a a, a pretty big contributor for the Loons. I'm, I don't know why you're so down on them. I, I think that they've done a very smart thing and saying, we're going to defend, and like Charlie alluded to, they want to play out of the back. We're going to sign a bunch of defenders. We're going to sign some defensive midfielders. And we're not going to give up, you know, 70 some odd goals like Minnesota United did their first season. We're going to play defense, and we're going to try to grind out some results. And I think they will battle for a playoff spot, and I would not be shocked if they finish 6th or 7th in the East.
3: So we we have the same kind of range, right? Like... You have them finishing six, seven. I have them potentially outside looking at eight or nine.
1: Yeah, you in a prior episode said they would finish eight, nine, or ten, and I said no, no, Armand. So, they so will- play, so
3: so playoff bubble. Is that where we're for I don't Cincinnati? think a six
1: is, is a six seed play, a bubble team. Yeah,
3: because I no, mean, I guess
1: I guess playoff bubble. That I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think there are a lot of people that think because this team hasn't spent. Thousands of millions of kajillions of dollars on Tam Gam Zam whatever. But they have winger but they have. X. Yeah, but they haven't done it on a winger X Y and Z, and they haven't don't, they don't have a, a attacking midfielder that anyone's heard of, and they're relying on USL players that everyone just assumes. Oh, this team is going to be terrible. This team's going to be at the bottom of the table with Orlando City. I don't think so. I think that they're going to be strong out of the back. They're going to have a spine, and they're going to be able to defend and play on the road some because they can defend and I think that's going to help them in the long run I
0: don't know we'll see I think this team could sneak up on people this is anytime you play FC Cincinnati it's a trap game these are trap games and they're going to have a pretty substantial home field advantage that a lot of the league is going to get very jealous of very quickly what's
3: the home field advantage turf
0: no they're just going to (laughs) have people in their stadium uh, shots at half the league. Yeah, put them <laughs> on blast. Anyway, listeners, follow us on Twitter, Pod. If you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, go back. We talked MLS transfers. Vinco, Al Marone, and Acosta. Those big three. Silly season. Yeah, silly season. Come back tomorrow. We do the first installment of the counterattack with Jake Watroba. And... uh New thing here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. The counterattack is going global. Till next time.